can a man who identifies as straight have sex with a man and still identify as straight? And the answer is... Yes. Right. He can identify as anything he wants. I don't remember choosing to be heterosexual. I don't either. You can behave how you want for that day, but that doesn't change your identity. And I just thought that I was really weird, but you've normalized that for me, and I feel so much better about myself. That's so white, Betsy. Why do you think that happens? Because people suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's all I got, Betsy. It's all I got. (laughs) What should matter is this concept we call authenticity. This type of education is critical, so nobody's in the closet. Nobody feels that suicide is their option. That shirt you're wearing, not gay. My shirt doesn't have an orientation? It does not. Imagine how far a little bit of education about this can go. We ready? Yeah. Okay. Hi. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Betsy Cairo. You can call me Dr. Betsy. And I'm Mandy Johnson, high school teacher extraordinaire. And we're going to dive into episode four of season one of It's Not Human Sexuality. So today we're going to talk about the difference between sexual identity and sexual behavior. But first, some basics. So a lot of people maybe don't even know what sexual identity is. Do you know what sexual identity is, Andy? I do know what sexual identity is, Betsy. Okay, so the way I define it is sexual identity is the proclamation of your sexual orientation. right? Stating who you are, knowing who you are, expressing who you are. Yes, exactly. And so, but to really have a good idea of what that is and we need to really discuss what sexual orientation is and this sort of gets into some um, just some basic language right and when we talk about sexual orientation we we hit the big ones right the the words are heterosexuality homosexuality bisexuality um, and then but we're now we're going to throw in some ones that people maybe haven't heard which is pansexuality and then we also get into um, uh Asexuality. And if anybody's ever studied Freud, uh, he had indicated that nobody's asexual and that if you were, there was something incredibly wrong with you. So we're going to address that because really nobody subscribes to Freud anymore anyway. But having said that, we'll go through that again. Heterosexuality, homosexuality, bisexuality, and pansexuality and asexuality. So starting at the beginning, heterosexuality is this is the term that we use with the attraction of the opposite um, anatomy, male to female interaction. And then homosexuality was first understood as the attraction to someone with the same anatomy, for instance, um, women with women and men with men. And then bisexuality is a sexual attraction based on the person and not the gender, but they truly subscribe to the gender binary, that they believe there are men and there are women, and then there's the attraction to that binary. Whereas pansexuality is different than that. While pansexuality might say they could be bisexual, a pansexual doesn't really care about anatomy. They're just simply looking at the person. And that opens up a whole wide range of where their attraction falls. And then when we talk about asexuality, the person who is asexual doesn't have a sexual attraction to anybody, but 
let's be clear, that doesn't mean that they don't crave or want intimacy. There's a difference between sexual attraction and sexual function and sexual behavior versus intimacy. And so I think it's really necessary to understand that delineation. And then also the other thing about asexuals is that they may not even want to be sexual with themselves. And we'll talk about that behavior um, in a in a second. So I, I want to just kind of address some of the questions that my students usually have about oh. the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality. And just that idea that if you're pansexual, it doesn't matter if somebody is transgender, if they're um, intersex, it doesn't matter what their anatomy looks like. Where, like you had said, Betsy, somebody who's bisexual subscribes to the binary, likes males and females. Somebody who's pansexual doesn't subscribe to genders per se. At all. Um, yeah, it's and they're attracted range. to people. They're attracted to people. Yeah. Yep, they're more interested in really what's going on above the neck than below. Uh, it's very fluid. So in looking at that, then let's talk about sexual identity, right? So sexual identity, as we'd mentioned earlier, is the proclamation of that sexual orientation. So we don't really say anymore, what's your sexual orientation? We say, what's your sexual identity? And what's really interesting about sexual identity is somebody will really never really know your sexual identity. They will really only know your sexual behavior. But again, we're going to get to that in a second. And the reason I say that is because if we talk about sexual identity being the proclamation of your sexual orientation, that's between you and your brain, right? That's that's sort of you circling the wagons and saying, hey, this is where I identify as. You may share it, you may behave in that manner, or you may not. Or worse, what you may do is identify as something and behave as something else. And so let's talk about what that means. In my day, we called that being closeted. Are we still using that term? I believe we still are. Right. And so I want you to imagine how horrible that sounds because the visual of that being in a closet is incredibly dark, incredibly isolated and incredibly lonely. Right. And so we have to say, then, why is there a difference between sexual orientation, sexual identity and sexual behavior? And that has to come with social stigma. So in examining sexual identity, so we have heterosexual, which we refer to as straight. We have homosexual, which we refer to as gay or lesbian. We have bisexual that we just say bisexual and pansexual, pansexual and asexual, asexual. But now let's talk about behavior, because anybody can have any one of these identities, but behave sexually differently. Are you following me? I'm following you. People can behave however they want, regardless of how they identify. Right. So really, all we're ever going to really know is how somebody behaves, right? And even then, we may not know, because we're not in their bedrooms, or the back seat of a car, or park bench or you know wherever but the point is is that we don't really know and we make assumptions so one of the examples that I like to use in this is two women making out in a bar or two men making out in a bar all we really know is their sexual behavior and their sexual behavior denotes the sexual orientation right not the identity right the sexual orientation of gay or lesbian but we really don't know how they identify They're just behaving in that manner. And so I would often ask my students, can a man who identifies as straight have sex with a man and still identify as straight? And the answer is yes. Right. Why? Absolutely. Because his behavior does not determine his identity. That's right. He can identify 
as anything he wants. But if we're going to start making assumptions that how somebody behaves is how something has how they identify, then we've just given a sexual identity to a body part. I think the example that comes to my head when I think about this is whenever you're a parent and you have toddlers and I don't know any toddler who didn't behave and pretend to be a dog or a cat (laughs) at some point in their toddlerhood. And that doesn't mean they identify as a dog or a cat or that they are a dog or a cat, but they are behaving as one for the day. And every toddler does this. And I believe that sexual behavior is the same way. We, you can behave how you want for that day, but that doesn't change your identity. Right. That's an excellent, an excellent, excellent uh, analogy on that. And, and it's solid. And I think that people can relate to that. And what my students struggled with is that exact separation of, no, if you behave that way, that's what you are. Well, if that's true, then when we have people who are closeted, who are behaving in this heterosexual bias society, right? We live in a heterosexist society. We can all we can all acknowledge that, right? Yes. Okay. So to fit in or to be mainstream or to feel safe, they may behave in a manner that is incongruent with their identity. What do you think that could lead to? It could lead to all kinds of problems in the head. Depression, isolation, not knowing who you are. Right. Because you're masquerading. And I don't even know if that's a good word. The authenticity is not there. And so at some point, you could have this psychotic break, right? And that leads to a lot of things that you discuss, like self-harm. Hence, suicide, right? So why do we see in our sexual minorities a higher suicide ideation rate, a higher suicide attempt rate, and a higher suicide success rate? Because of that incongruency in the head and behavior and what society believes we should, we quote unquote should be. be. Exactly. And it's tragic. And so one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to remind people that this type of education is critical. So nobody's in the closet. Nobody feels that suicide is their option when they're between the ages of 15 and 24 specifically, or any age in general. And so imagine how far a little bit of education about this can go. It reminds me of that time in your class. Do you remember that? I do remember, Betsy. So that was that was one of those goosebump kind of days where as an instructor, you think, I can't start crying right now. That would be unprofessional. It was a very powerful moment in class, though. It was. And how it unfolded is we had some extra time. This was that comprehensive reproductive health class we were teaching at one of the schools in Loveland. And we had some extra time at the end of the day and didn't really want to start a new topic. And so we kind of threw out with the students. We said, hey, let's just kick around. What if you... What, anything you want to share so far throughout the semester that you've learned or how you feel? And people felt safe enough. And some people were saying, oh, now I, I know how to talk to my significant other better. Or I realize that, um, you know, I, I I need to be better about um, my language. And, and then, aside from the one we're going to talk about, the other one that I really liked was the young woman who said, you guys made me feel like my my sexual um, desires aren't weird. She said, I always thought I was weird because I, I like sex and I want to have it, right? And, but I'm a girl, you know, and just that, that normalizing it for her, I thought that was another... Oh, I forgot about that. Another one. really and, cool one. And then 
this moment appears and this person raises their hand and says, I've discovered something about myself. And we said, what's that? And they said, I've discovered I'm asexual. And the room kind of is like quiet and looking at them. And they say, and you know what? I used to think I was a freak or there was something wrong with me because I don't even want to be sexual with myself. And I just thought that I was really weird, but you've normalized that for me. And I feel so much better about myself. Let me explain. That is the price of admission on any ticket because here we were in the situation where we possibly took this person and out of the closet, out of the isolation and out of the zone of what people like to call freak. Changed their life. Changed their life. And it was, I, I still remember that. It still gives me goosebumps. And so, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about sexual identity and sexual behavior, and we kicked this off about sexual orientation. But let's dial it back just a little bit to the beginning about sexual orientation. When we are explaining these definitions, right, uh, one of the things that always comes up in class is, well, it's, it's a choice. Homosexuality is a choice? Right. Of course, that's the only choice, because heterosexuality is... Not a choice. I don't remember choosing to be heterosexual. I don't either. And so what I always said to my students was, this is, you know, you're, you're wired this way. And I have colleagues who say, oh, we're not hardwired. And, and in, in some regards, that's probably true. But if we think about it, we probably are kind of hardwired that way. And how I always explained it to my students is, is if being homosexual is not a choice, or if being so homosexual is a choice, then Explain to me that day when you chose to be heterosexual. I mean, here you are skipping down, you know, the path of life and there's all these doors to you. You've got heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, pansexual, asexual. What caused you to pick that door of heterosexuality? And one of my students said to me, well, I didn't pick the door. Wait for it, right? She said, I, I was, was born, born that way. <laughs> and, you know, there's a great song about that. And it's poignant. And I said, exactly. And then there was that aha moment. And so the point is, is that if it's a choice, be sure and write that down for me of when you chose. And I think that's an important distinction. But then we can also say, we can, we can flip that over and say, Let's, what if it were a choice? Does it matter? Exactly. Would it matter? Does it matter who I engage with? Does it matter who I love? Does it matter who I want to spend my life with? It doesn't matter to me. It shouldn't matter to anybody, right? What should matter is this concept we call authenticity, right? Because we don't, we don't want people to have psychotic breaks about who they are and how they behave. It's just not healthy. And so this whole discussion is around that concept, sexual orientation, sexual identity, sexual behavior. They're all interlinked. They all have meaning and importance and they all matter, right? And so I think we need to move past the science of that. I mean, the science is critical. We need to understand that, but we need to move past that and just look at the sociology of it and say, it really doesn't matter. So when we get to the end of this idea, we have to talk about language and language about how we treat the non-majority, right? What we refer to as marginalized populations. And I think that language is so 
hurtful in this arena. Would you agree? Language is very important and can be extremely hurtful. In this arena. We we find things to say about uh, people who, I, who do not identify as straight and we use their sexual identity, their sexual orientation to mean less than. We say things like, that's so gay. Um, uh, and we say terms like lipstick lesbian. I don't even know what that means. I know it was supposed to mean uh, someone who identifies as lesbian that wears lipstick. And so, and, and I think most people just say they look straight. Oh, is that how that works? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, think about how weird that is. And then we also use terms like dyke and butch. And then we say things like twink and bear, right? And so, but why do we do that? Why do we feel the need to take a sexual identity, a sexual orientation and make it less than? Why do you think that happens? Because people suck. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> okay. all I got, Betsy. It's all I got. <laughs> well, I'm guessing. Well, let me elaborate on that a little bit. So I'm, I'm guessing that's because we want to make sure that we feel good about ourselves and that everybody understands where we stand in that arena of sexual choice sexual behavior and because we live in a heterosexual bias environment we have to make those that are not less than so we elevate our status it's all about status so let's think about that so when my students say i don't know what the big deal is i just say that's so gay how could that possibly matter i don't mean it in a terrible way and i say well okay then let's pick a different word that's so hispanic that's so nigger that's so chink, that's so spick, that's so kike. That's so white, Betsy. And then they go, what? And I go, oh, did I offend you? Did I offend you? Because I meant to. I meant to offend you. But now do you see how offensive that is? It's horrible. And now let's imagine another scenario. You have a little person walking down the halls of high school. Do you know how many times a day they hear the term, that's so gay, thrown out in between classes? Too many. 56 times they hear this. It's said way more. It's it's said way more than that. But they actually hear it on average about 56 times. I want you to imagine someone calling you out and putting you down without knowing you 56 times a day. Do you feel safe? Not very. Right. So pick a different word. We have a thesaurus. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a collection of words that allow you to use other words that mean the same thing. So what could we use instead of gay? That's so stupid. Okay. And so let's think about that. What happened here was that gay replaced the word stupid. And so then by translation, gay became stupid. But that's really not the case at all. And so when we substitute gay for stupid, then we make it less than. And then that dials all the way back to someone who identifies as gay as being less than. Because that test you gave wasn't gay. That test I gave was never gay. No, that shirt you're wearing, not gay. My shirt doesn't have an orientation? It does not. Are you sure? I'm positive. So the problem is, is that we just need to encourage people to pick a different word. And when I bring this up, people kind of get, you know, huffed out about it because they don't like being called out on their behavior. And how I feel about it is too bad. Because if I hear this being said, and it's an earshot of me, I walk over and say, pick a different word. Do you do that? I do. 
I asked my students to do it. What do you think the response is? Well, if they're like my students, they get really shocked and dismayed about why you'd even be calling them out on this. <laughs> exactly. But the biggest reason people do not say or call out their friends for saying that's so gay is the fear of being excluded or targeted themselves. So it takes broad shoulders for people to say, hey, pick a different word. But let's be clear about some of this as well. When we have uh, communities that identify as the minority and they're using this language that society considers derogatory, then people outside that circle look and hear that happening inside the circle and then they feel that it's okay to use that language because the people inside the circle use the language. And so I tried to explain that you're not inside the circle and they don't see that. They don't understand it. They say, well, if I have a friend who uses, who calls themselves, you know, a fag, then everybody else should be okay with that. And the answer is no, it's not okay. And so we have to Remind people that even if you are in the circle, you never know who's listening and what example you're setting. And in my opinion, I don't think these words should be used whether you're in the circle or outside the circle because it just perpetuates the use typically in a negative way. But if you're not sure if you're in the circle or not in the circle, assume you're not. <laughs> exactly. When you use language. And always be aware of who's listening. Kids learn by example. To wrap up, you know, this was a great episode. We covered a lot. I hope you understand now the difference between sexual orientation and sexual identity and sexual behavior. I hope that you were able to really realize how impactful language can be and how we can actually use sexual identity and sexual orientation to hurt in our language, even if we're just being generic in our comments. So that's a critical piece because it leads us into our next episode, our fifth episode, which is about adolescent behavior. And we're going to look at sex. We're going to look at masturbation. We're going to talk about uh, teen suicide and teen pregnancy. All of these are, are really important topics. So I hope you'll join us with our next episode. So signing out, I'm Dr. B. And this has been Mandy Johnson. So if you have any questions about this or any other episode, please reach out to us. You can reach us at 970-667-9906 or you can um, email us at info at lkbthwys.org. That's look both ways without the vowels. And that's us signing out. See you next time. You're not going to miss episode five, right? So many people think that having sex is only penis and vagina sex and that that's the only definition of sex. sex. We put so much emphasis on this stupid word virginity you were standing there accidentally naked and he fell on top of you she fell on top of you her face accidentally landed in your crotch there's a big difference between coercion and consent i don't understand how it can quote unquote just happen yes is not always yes but no is always no lesbians can't get pregnant that's one of my favorite myths to dispel we need to value respect and honor that behavior of all people. Let's just not make assumptions. That's all up next on episode five of It's Not Human Sexuality. I'm Hannah Copeland, the editor and engineer. For more information and episodes, go to lkbthwis.org.